Hey guys, it's Michelle Collins. Welcome to the Michelle Collins Show. It's my show and I'm thrilled you're here. We're going to be bringing you episodes every single week with different co-hosts, the same usual nonsense, off-the-cuff humor, news, advice, pop culture. I know it's a novel concept for a podcast, but what can I say? I'm an innovator. That's what I do. You'll be getting episodes every week, but if you want to hear daily episodes, you can head over to my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I have co-hosts every single day. It's funny. It's loose. It's authentic. I do weekly episodes with my mother. If you're curious as to how someone is made this way, I highly recommend tuning into those and some video content as well, which is exciting. I'm off to contour, but I want you to enjoy this episode. It's fabulous. We adore you and we look forward to seeing you over on the Patreon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey everyone, this is Sam who records and edits Midnight Snack. Michelle can't join me this week, but in honor of his new movie Sonic 2 coming out, I've pulled a great old Ben Schwartz episode for you guys to listen to. Ben is the best, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Michelle will be back next week. He's probably one of our greatest guests, and I'm not just saying that. I feel like when... I talked to you a couple weeks ago. I said, I got to get Ben Schwartz on the podcast because first of all, we share a very dear mutual friend who we both love very much. Mm -hmm. And you're just one of those people who um, I think deep down, I just always really wanted to be good friends with. And we're not there, but I think there's hope. Listen, can I tell you the way to my heart is through my, my parents 
And you have, uh, I, I did that at the end of our little interview last time. I said, there must be a, a bigger medium where we could talk. You must have a podcast. And you're like, of course I have a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then I told uh, my parents, I was like, yeah, I did Michelle Collins. Like, oh my God, Michelle Collins. We talked to her at the blank or whatever it was at the after party for a movie that came out. And they, they're like, loved her. Oh, no. Me and your parents mm -hmm. are friends. Like, that's the thing. But I remember, well, first of all, let me introduce you. Obviously, he's beloved in the world of comedy and beyond. Um, follow him on Twitter and on Instagram at Rejected Jokes. He's in a new movie called uh, Flora and Ulysses, which is on Disney Plus, out now. Um, he has Middle Ditch and Schwartz, which is out on Netflix. You're in Space Force. Nice. Parks and Rec. He's Sonic the Hedgehog, for God's sake, the sequel. I mean, raking the money in. I say this as a Jewish friend, Ben Schwartz. <laughs> ben, your union dues must just be through the roof. I can't even imagine. Talk to me. Let's get right to the union dues. Let's get right into it. We're talking WGA. We're talking SAG-AFTRA. It has to be uh, we're, crazy. We're really getting into those union dues, yeah. Mm. Let me say this about your parents that I met do them. Wanna, I do remember... you want to throw a sponsorship uh, to whatever yeah. you just, what beverage you just drank? What yeah, spon um, what, who are you sponsored by today? What if I was just like, this is, first of all, this is La Colombe iced coffee in the bottle from Publix, <laughs> which I know Publix is a Trump uh, supermarket and you're not supposed to shop there now, but I'm in Miami. There's like nowhere else really to shop. I'm not going to go Michelle, into Winn-Dixie. you just, without even knowing... It did an incredible transition to my first ever paid acting gig was no. for a commercial for Publix grocery stores, what, two, 20 years ago or 18 years ago? I had no lines. I take a, I, I'm a grocery person that brings the groceries to someone's uh, back of their trunk uh -huh. and I do it and there's just not, an, there's, the prices are so low that there's so much there she needs more room in her trunk she's bought so much stuff so she takes out her spare tire and throws it and my whole goal is i <laughs> i have a bag there and i watch this woman absolutely tear out the wheel and throw it and then she takes the bag i say no lines and that was it that was my first gig i if i would have known that you had a public connection because Publix to me like growing up in miami connection. that's like that's our that's our hookup. Do you get like a public discount? I mean, it's upsetting to find out that this woman is like a big QAnoner and one of the capital overthrowers. The daughter, is that true? To, yes, like the daughter to the public's oh. heir is some like wild, you know, pedophile lie spreading lady. Oh. But honestly, their subs are great. They hired my friend Ben Schwartz. Um, that was well, your this very is first. Twenty years ago, there was definitely God. a different owner twenty years ago. How old were you then? Like 20 or 18, probably? I got that commercial probably in 2004 or five or six, one of those. So I would have mm. been, I grew up in, in 1981 was when I was born. Yeah. So let's try to do this math. 20, 25, maybe? And that was the first gig. Did you find, were you in LA when that happened or were you in New York? Oh my goodness, no. I was in New York till the moment I had to be in LA because I'm a big family guy and I did not want to leave my parents or my sister. So yeah. it took me being like, okay, if I really want to do something in this industry, I got to get, there's no more opportunities for me here or there's very limited. It's like, will I be a writer for Letterman? And I was already a page and didn't get the opportunity to become a writer there. So it's like, mm -hmm. all right, so that's out. So what else was there is John Stewart daily show SNL, but I wasn't, I can't really do like big impressions. So mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think that's for, I don't think I'm getting on there. So I was like, if I really want to try to be in television movies, I got to get over to LA. And it took like, uh, it was probably the biggest risk I've ever taken. That Me being like, all right, let's leave everything and see where, how it works. Well, I was going to say, what year did you move there? 
I moved here in 2009, January 11, 2009. Most of the comics who uh, came to L.A., I feel like 2012, 2013 is when the big exodus from New York happened. But I moved there in 2010, yes. and I felt really fucking cool that I was, like, ahead of the pack. You know, like, I came here before anyone was confident enough, and I also didn't want to leave New York, but I was in kind of a different space, more of, like, a talk show space, but... Uh, LA never clicked for me and I'm sure you miss New York. I bet if you had the chance to move back, you would. Wait, when did you move back? And was it after Chelsea lately? It was way after Chelsea lately. I moved back to New York in 20, I moved there in 2010 and back to New York in 2015 for the view. Five years. Oh, well, you did it for a job though. Would you have come back if you didn't get that big job? No. And how was I affording my restoration hardware lamps, Ben Schwartz? No, no, no. I had to get <laughs> I a job. Those lamps. I no, which one? Lamps. I don't know. I could go downstairs. Of course I have. Wait, those. the what, glass tubes? The glass tubes with the metal pole in the middle? Uh, maybe. I those mean, are of mine. Course. Oh, of my course. God. What was the first thing you bought when you really hit it big? Because I always tell people when I got hired in The View, my joke <laughs> is that I moved to New York in the Coming to America limos. And like first thing, I went to Crate and Barrel. I went to Restoration. I was like, I, I was on the show for maybe eight minutes total. But I was like, give me that mirror. I want those lamps. I got a beautiful couch. And no, those are the only things I have to my name. What is like the one big thing that you did when you got your first big gig what a great question well my first when i got when i got my first tv show you also have to remember when i moved here i uh um i didn't have much money being an improviser you don't make any money so all my money i made was off of commercials uh that i booked or like um jokes that i wrote or something like that and i was a bartender at ucb like i was you know (gasps) not i didn't have any money so when i came here i rented a car for like the from the cheapest place near lax and I put uh, my dad's duffel bag in the back. Wait, I have to and ask. That's like, was it yeah, priceless rent a car? It might have been. It was. I'm telling you, it was like a month. It was like fifty bucks. It was so insane. <laughs> and it was a Toyota Camry that had like plugs in every hole. Uh, yes. Every. Sorry, that's a terrible sentence. But my every tire had uh, plugs everywhere. So it's like it has been through the ringer. I have to tell you something so funny, and I'm so into this story. But it happened to me once where my friend, I friend loaned me her car in L.A took the car. It got towed because the bitch had like 1,800 unpaid parking tickets. I didn't know. I thought it got stolen. It was like a day out of a nightmare. Had no money. And I had to rent a car from a place by LAX called Priceless Rent-A-Car where the S's are money. I think that might be it, by the way. has to be it because the S's are money signs. It looks like the house where Jenny got molested in Forrest Gump. It's like this shack, ramshackle, shitty place. You go inside. They gave me a Nissan Altima where the back window was propped up with plywood. Like it had so much shit on the car. And it was also like a hundred bucks for the month. And I was like, perfect. So it had to be the same place. I'm telling you. So I, and it was my friend, Chad Carter, my friend, Chad Carter, who I knew from UCB. And I slept on his floor for a month. And when I slept on his floor, uh, I would sleep on my boxers because it'd be hot. And him and his girlfriend would come over and be like, we got to do something about this. So they took out their tent that they take to like hike in. And they put it uh, right next to the kitchen. And I slept uh, in a tent next to his kitchen for a month. Or a month and a half. Uh, it was very. It was before I had a place to stay and all that stuff. It was very embarrassing. But what? The, so I forget the first. So one of the first things when I, I booked a show called um, um, no, uh, it was me, Richard Dreyfus, Jason Biggs, and Mary Steenburgen. It was created okay. by Mitch Hurwitz. It only did a pilot. I got paid the least amount you're legally allowed to get paid to yeah. act in something. Yeah. And uh, with that money, I bought a, a Honda Civic. Wow. So I bought a, a Honda Civic, uh, you know, the DX, you know, the, the lowest model of a Honda Civic, which ended up being like my favorite 
car. I mean, it's not fancy. That was I still didn't have any money, but I didn't have a car, and I was like, I gotta stop driving this. It's it's dangerous. I'm driving something that's dangerous. <laughs> so I got a Honda Civic, and I had it for like eight years. Loved Ugh. it. And even when I started to get fame and we're going to like fancy places, and you like have to valet your car, mine was always the crappiest car, and I kind of yes. loved it. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. And mine was dirty. I didn't take care of it. My dad's oh, like a no. big car guy. And he'd always be like, just wash your car. Just wash it. Um, but I, so I had that. That was like my first. I remember almost taking the check and like bringing it to the guy. Being like, this is, uh, can I afford a car with this much wow. money? Wow. And got the is, least, least expensive car. There is something very exciting. And for people who don't know LA at all, because I drove famously, all the listeners, when they hear these words, they're going to have like a full 12 monkeys attack because I talk about it so much. But I had a Mercury Milan famously, like a discontinued car. I've never even heard of a Mercury Milan. Most, um, most people with class haven't. But I would make the argument that it's one of the classiest sedans on the market. They stopped making it in 2011. As a side note, I was in St. Petersburg, like Florida, like not Russia, like two weeks ago. No. What if all the Mercury Milans went to St. Petersburg, Russia? <laughs> I'm like, they love them. <laughs> I've been to Cuba when I, I went to Cuba once, and all of like these old, incredible, classic cars are just driving around, and I was like, "This is incredible! Like cars you haven't seen in twenty five years are all amazing." That Tampa is the uh, Havana of Florida in that all the discontinued cars from like American go there. So many Mercury Milans. I was over the moon, but I used to go like in LA to the Soho House or whatever, which is a very I, my joke used to be if you couldn't afford to be a member at the Soho House, just stand by the valet for like six hours, like bring like a flask, because you would see every <laughs> celebrity at the valet. You would see more famous people by the valet than in the club you know and you'd go down i'm sure you've been it's like in this garage in the you know basement mm -hmm. of this garage very clandestine and uh I, this story's gonna be amazing because this exactly happened to me keep going this is amazing okay so all these cars and like for those who don't know i mean it's like you know maseratis and all these huge suvs and blah 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 coming through and then i was by myself my friends had left and i went well my mercury's here <laughs> And I looked around, and I remember this guy, such a nice guy, the host of Antiques Roadshow in Temptation Island, Mark L. Wahlberg, the other one, was standing there. He doesn't know that I remember this, because I was like a fan. Now we're friends. But I looked, and he heard me, and he like really laughed. And I just remember thinking, what a nice man. Like, he's so nice. <laughs> and he and I had this moment, and then I got in my Mercury and drove off. And I remember feeling like uh, the valets in Ferris Bueller or something. I was just like, I'm a, I'm a garbage dump that I got my Mercury, like in this beautiful place. But... There is something that makes you feel good about having like that kind of thing. Wait, what happened to you there? I got to know. I had that exact moment. Went to the Soho house. I'm, of course, was not a member. And one of my friends told me to come for either a writing meeting or something like that. I go or a party. There's a party or something like that. I go there and all these famous people are outside waiting for their cars. And it's Tesla, Tesla, Maserati. Yes. It's like all these incredible cars. And these are kind people that aren't like, you know, they're not like they weren't assholes or anything like that. They're like kind people. And then uh, my car comes in and it's like a, you know, blue Honda Civic and it's really <laughs> dirty because when I dropped it off, I didn't think in a million years that all these people I look up to will see. So oh, I wasn't no. embarrassed that I was driving in it. I was embarrassed that these people felt sorry for me, I think. Like, oh, maybe he's not doing very well. I was like, I am doing, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, right. But I remember that moment of like, oh my God, now my car is coming. Like, I've seen all these incredible cars. Now oh, here no. comes my car. It's like when you like uh, go to like a Disneyland ride and one of them is busted. And you're like, don't go in that one. You can't go in that car. Wait for the next one. Um, I feel like you drove the Sonic, of the, you Sonic the Hedgehog of cars. Like, you know, like a did, little by the dirty way. blue Honda. Like, that's a sonic kind of great. car. 
Yeah. I loved it. But then then when I made enough money, I started to lease uh, at least uh, an Audi. That was my gift to myself. I was trying to... How did because I fucking I was trying know to think of it was going to be an Audi? I said it's going to be either a BMW, but you know what? You're not dickish enough to drive a BMW. <laughs> and the slightly less dickish car is an Audi. I was like, he's... D- I pinned it. I clocked it. It's like, tr- like a little bit of luxury, but hiding it where people won't be like, come on, you're an asshole. And I was like, yeah. But now I like... Sometimes I had, I've been through two leases of those and mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm very bad at spending money. Money, truly very really? bad at spending money wow. even, even if i make money oh. the things that i'm good the things that i can spend it on are food uh my family and um flights like flights i, I used to be very like i used to hate flying so then i was like all right you know what i'll get like extra legs or i'll extra leg room or i'll get business class or if there's like a if i'm going to new york and i can find a lie down seat that's affordable You'd i would i would to. do that so like i save my money for that stuff but in terms of like clothes like i wear the same clothes that i've been wearing and like i get hand-me-down or like people will give me stuff every now and then and um stuff like that wait so when you got to the view was the amount of money that you were making exponentially higher than anything you had made in the past before i answer that question i just want the listener to know that we're doing this over a video zoom and ben is like i, I don't spend money on things like flights whatever and behind him is like probably a seven thousand dollar sneaker in a lucite case i just find that funny like what <laughs> this is this given to me from paramount okay. paramount Fair gave enough. it to me it's a sonic the hedgehog limited edition they only made five sneakers this guy's oh my god i should have this known. is a typewriter that was given to me um, although I do own a typewriter over there. I, I love typing letters. I love yes. typing letters and sending them to people. And then these are <gasps> posters from our tour shows that Ugh. Dave Clock made, who's a great You would have been such a great Civil War husband. Do you ever think about that? Like going off, like typing letters to your love? Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. my, my God. My, my lover abroad would have absolutely <laughs> loved these. She would have been over the moon. Oh, my God. I would kill for a fucking typed love letter. Not You can send me one if you want, but like from anybody. I would just, to, to be able to open up a letter... And just see someone like taking the physical time to like type the keys out. There's it something doesn't happen anymore. romantic None of it about happens that. Anymore. I know. Did you see this girl bought a stack of antique letters? It went viral on Twitter. She was like, oh, I got this um, stack of letters. Oh, fuck. I wish I could find it right now on um, at some antique show. And I didn't expect it. And it was like, I got fucked up the ass last week. And I was thinking about you like no. these filthy, dirty letters from World War II. Wait, let me see. Let me look Is up the word letters. Yes, yes, yes. And it was only page oh, three. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. If you have one minute to spare. And let's keep this in the podcast. Anytime you Google something, I'd love to keep all this air in the podcast if we could. <laughs> she really will. Oh, I wish I could find it. Tracy, see if you can find... Um, I mean, I'm giving her no information, but it was like antiques thing, viral letter, World War II. She like had a threesome. It was this whole thing. Um, okay, back to your view question. Yeah, I mean, of course. It was my first... The question, just to remind everyone, was it more money than I've made? I don't really like to talk about money. I don't make that much money. Like Neither I'm not do I, in by some. The way. I don't know how that's true. Not to be, not that it's my I business. I don't ever talk about money. Nobody knows how much money I have or how poor I am. Well, you know what I was going to tell you before, which actually I don't really know a lot about you or you know how your family or anything. I have an assumption with a lot of people in comedy that they just come from money, like especially people who have seen a lot of success. And we know a lot of people who do come from a lot of money who were able mm-hmm. in their twenties to not work and you know write and perfect their craft and everything else, who are very funny. But it obviously gave them like a leg up in the business and like mm-hmm. I come from very middle class people I've always worked I've never been able to just like hang out and work on my craft you know I'm very like uh, my production company name is uh, Grand Avenue Productions because it's the, my dad grew up on 176 in Grand Ave my dad had no money my mom had no money they lived in the same area of the Bronx and they just worked their 
asses off. My mom's yeah. been a Bronx music teacher for 53 years. Wow. Like she's still going. Ugh. This is the woman that you met, Joan Foreman Schwartz. My dad oh my has gosh. had like a, a bunch of different jobs where he was, um, he was the director of the YMHA, which is like the Jewish version of the YMCA over in the Bronx in Riverdale, uh, you know, directing uh, an enormous amount of people and keeping this company running. He was a social worker. Then he moved to uh, real estate and then he was the middleman into buying and selling big buildings. But they all came from no money. Like everybody shared bedrooms with their siblings and all that stuff. Wow. And so when it got to us, we were able to move to the North Bronx. Mm. And then um, I was middle, I was middle class, but I always went to public school, never went to a private school, same. but was middle, definitely middle class. But we were always like, we were raised in the same fashion where it's like, you know, my mom still had traits of having no money. Like when the ketchup was low, you put water in the ketchup, you shake it up and you use that <gasps> on pasta. We sometimes put ketchup instead of a uh, sauce <laughs> because that's just what would happen. Wow. You like learn all these little things, but they, it, they never really, uh, we were never really spoiled. We were always working. So I was working before legally I had working papers and we had to lie to the place and say that I was allowed to work and had working papers. So even whenever I was young, I started working. But I will say I have met people in in the comedy world that when when I was doing comedy, like at the when I moved to Manhattan after college, my parents helped me out with rent for the first year, right? That's nice. And my yeah. friends who were my age that didn't have the, that opportunity, they had to be working. I mean, I was working. I was a page getting ten dollars an hour, but that doesn't pay for. That's like you an know, internship. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, so it's like yeah. I I may I was always making money and always had a job, um, but it wouldn't have been enough to afford an apartment where I was living and stuff like that. So they helped me for the first year, and then I was able to make enough money to go on from there. But I know friends who did not have that opportunity. Yeah. And even like they had to work and like, you know, we would have a show and sometimes they couldn't make it because they had stuff. And so I, there's absolutely an advantage in that. But I always my parents always put it in me to work hard and always. Mm. And that, I think that's what's made me successful. There's a there's I mean, whatever version of success I have, there's a fear of failure. Always. I'm always afraid oh, of being yeah. like, oh, shit, this may be the last one. Never leaves you. Um, and then also just like if I have free time and I'm not working I I get like anxious or like, I'm really? like shit, I should be doing something. Yeah. And See, before it used to be a problem. Uh, like I used to work through the wow. weekend and like no. not take rest. I used to get sick all the time. And oh then I started God. to, yeah. Once I had enough to be like, all right, I'm all right for rent for a while. Then then I started to like be able to calm down on the weekends, take off. But that was something I had to teach myself to stop working on the weekends because it was like such a thing I was ingrained in. You're like the Jewish Frank McCourt. You're just like, you're Tell just- Tell me who that is. Of Angela's Ashes. Like, I feel like you- <laughs> Do you know Angela's Ashes? The movie where the guy, I like a Angela's poor Ashes, Irishman. I don't know of it. Oh my gosh. He was like this poor young Irishman. He had like a hundred brothers and sisters. He had to wear like bike tires instead of shoes on his feet because his parents had like no money. But he had an incredible, I was going to call you um, Frank McSchwartz, but if you don't know Frank McCord, it's not funny, but uh, great reference. You should really look it up. It's a great, you've never seen, you've never <laughs> seen Angela's Ashes? Reference. Oh my God. It's no, such a. There's a couple of those that I haven't seen that I feel terrible. I mean, if this Frank McCork guy was also like middle class and got like Reeboks for Hanukkah, then it would be like me. <laughs> <laughs> I love a Reebok. Don't get me started, but I'm, I'm different. It's funny that that's your version of fear of failure. Cause I think mine is um, like almost not putting myself out there enough. Like I work, you know, and I'm out there and putting my voice out there, but it's, I would say an inherent laziness in a way. I, when I see people who, you know, it can be frustrating. I'm sure you know about this, like people who you, who don't find that great, who see incredible success. And I always have to say, well, their work ethic absolutely tramples my work ethic. You know what I mean? These are people who work nonstop. So I can't look in their plate because that's their plate. And this is my plate. And like, you kind of, have to be your own cheerleader and publicist and everything else. So 
It, it takes a I lot. I think there is something to that because at UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, where I came up, it's like there are, of course, going to be people way funnier than me. Yeah. But in my head, I was like, you know, if I work harder than everybody else, then maybe I'll get a little bit luckier. Maybe I'll get some more opportunities. So at the beginning, I, like, tried everything. Like, I, I've published a couple books. I've, like, wrote articles for any place. I wrote an article for Toy Fair Magazine, which is a toy magazine for Wizard Magazine. <laughs> any place that would let me do anything. What was it about? I performed at a yoga studio. No. So, like, yeah. So I did oh I, anything I could because I was like, I want, one of these has to hit. And then writing was the first thing that kind of hit. And then acting with commercials was the next because improv I didn't get paid for improv I've been doing it for 20 years I didn't get paid for it until like 15 years in like zero dollars for it until 15 years oh well in. by so, the way I mean are we gonna go there because that was like the whole you know if we're talking about the right improv on. place where we both performed the joke was they just never paid anyone and it was like right you know and my bitterness with that and I will just say you don't have to say anything they were good to me I never took the classes at UCB but I did a show there and my joke was always like can you just give me cab fare home like the 20 like I would sell out these theaters you know what I mean and be like hey yeah. it was sold out and it was funny because whenever like page six wanted to write something like kind of you know cunty about me which they've actually been very good to me lately but they would always be like oh if you want to see Michelle you can get tickets to her show they're seven dollars and they would say it as though like I'm performing literally in a yoga studio like <laughs> in like the back of the Gristides which was pretty much what UCB was but um I was like, oh my gosh, can they raise the price to like 12 bucks? Like people will still pay $12 and then I could like get money for the taxi home. But you know, there were just issues there, which you don't have to comment on. It's, but. it's funny because I'll just say I had, my experience there was awesome. Although yeah. I, I've heard a lot of stuff since, since I've been to LA, I've heard quite a few things, but like uh, I wouldn't have had a comedy career unless that place existed. I, cause I was getting up when nobody was coming, you know what I mean? Right. And I didn't have to pay money when I didn't sell anything out. So then, like, in my head, I was like, all right, now that I'm selling out everything, it's kind of like bouncing out things. But that Payback, got me, yeah. like, you know, helped me get commercial stuff and helped me get that. So that led to everything else. And then it was up to me if I wanted to keep performing there for free or not. And I just always did. Just sure. I thought it was like working. I felt, it felt like working out. So, like, working out my brain, kind of. Yeah, so I no, still do and shows by the way, at Largo. We perform at Largo oh all gosh. the time. I've never performed at Largo. That's been a dream, actually, to do that. But, no, I get it. And also, it's like a commune, UCB. Like, you want to pay people back. You want to help the new young kids. I mean, it's not really around anymore. Well, in L.A. it is, right? I think it's there's one theater left out of the four. Is this there? Thing, I'm so interested to see what comedy venues are going to feel like after this. Like, stand-up oh venues and God. improv. All, like, how they exist or like what are still around, who could have, who paid through all their stuff through COVID. It's going to be kind of crazy. I have a theory that when this whole thing is over and done with, we're going to, um, I think it's almost like resetting the race in a way. Like everyone is sort of starting at the same gate again. Cause you know, there were people had like momentum going into the pandemic and then it yeah. kind of shut everybody's momentum down. So I feel like, it's, I mean, it's good news for me because I didn't have a ton of momentum before the pandemic. I'm like, okay, we can use this new time to reset. You get what I mean? And, and it's not for everybody, but I just feel like it's a, a resetting of the clocks in a way, which I, I'm excited about. Well, you're about. also doing stuff during this. You have a podcast. You interview people. Yeah. You, did, you were doing press for floor. Like, you were doing press and then also then this. So it's like you're hustling and stuff like that. I think there's a big part of it, like being polite and continuing to work on your stuff is huge. Like, if you use this time to try to write a little bit, but the other, the other thing is with this time, everything yeah. is, I'm like so anxious all the time because of what's going on. Cause my parents are so far away. Cause all, you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's things. so many things that whatever, whatever your version of dealing with that is that helps you get through all this stuff works fine. You can't get, you can't get upset at yourself. You're like, well, I didn't write three scripts. It's like, yeah, who, but we, you survived, oh, no. like you got through this. Yeah. I've done no real work. Like, by the way, someone was like, you should write a book. I'm like, you're right. 
Do you guys want to go to the outlets today? Like I am, I need to go, <laughs> I need to go buy some shit. Welcome back, everybody. He's taking a little water break. He's got his little swell mug. We what really do you got, got in there? into it, Michelle. What do you got in there? Water? This is just water. That's I just so water healthy. from the fridge. Water from the fridge. He is a star. He is humble. Wow. He wow. is um, very lovely, very, very funny. I feel so professional, right? I've never had a more professional intro for any guest than what I'm doing for you right now. Who are your guests usually that you that you don't have a professional I'm always intro? like, okay. anyway, like I'm all, you know, I'm in monster mode 90% of the time. Um, His name is Ben Schwartz. You, of course, know him. Parks and Rec, for God's sake. I want to get into it with you a little bit also about the state of comedy today, because I was just reading an article in GQ about um, how uh, they think Netflix is killing comedy. So that's something I'm making a mental note to bring up with you. Oh, no. I don't even know what that means. Maybe we should talk about it now, honestly. Let's open with it. Well, the only reason why I thought of it is because they actually reference Parks and Rec as one of the last shows that actually had jokes, you know, and that, that had like that sort of sitcom network sitcom um, timing that oh, interesting. we're not seeing that much on Netflix or on Hulu or any of the streaming services, HBO Max, or I love streaming shows, but I do agree. I, I think that, and I love Netflix and all this stuff, but when I'm watching a show on Netflix, it's rare that I'm like doubled over with laughter. Things can be funny, but it's not in that same Seinfeld friends, like, you know, setup joke kind of I way. What do you TV think? TV shows are, are a bit different now also. And also like, I mean, The Office, I mean, The Office was on Netflix, but of course it's on NBC. The Office in Parks, I think you're right. But like Bob's Burgers, I find very funny, which is a Hilarious. Fox show. Yeah. And I guess Superstores is a type of sitcom that has that type of stuff. I haven't seen it yet, but that was on for six years or something but like that, But it's not right? streaming. The idea is that when you have a comedy solely on a streaming platform, although, um, what's, I almost said Tim Robbins, who's the SNL guy who's very funny. Um, Tim Robinson sketch show. Tim Robinson. So I think you should leave is one of the funniest sketch shows I've ever seen in my life. It's hilarious. It's yeah. So unbelievable. I think I think Netflix kind of because Netflix doesn't doesn't need a hundred episodes of something. I think Netflix if they're going to do something probably will do three seasons. So it becomes almost driven by narrative. Mm-hmm. Maybe like we did Space Force over there. So it was Steve Carell, John Malkovich, me, Tony Newsom, Jimmy O Yang, Don Lake, and we did that. Uh, Greg Daniels, who created The Office, created it, and it was it followed. They're jokes, but it followed a narrative a little bit more. And I wonder if that's just where comedy is now. I wonder right. if because of the swing that you're saying it, maybe the next thing to come is like goofy fun, you know, 30 minutes forget, 30 minutes forget type stuff. I, I wonder. I I like long for the days of Alf, Perfect Strangers. Like, and I'm not, because there were funny amen. But these are multicams. Could you watch a multicam now and with a laugh track and be like, this is great? Or would it drive you crazy? I would like watch it with my pants around my ankles, pleasuring myself. I would have the best time. I love a multicam, <laughs> love an audience. I love, I just miss like, you know, that kind of like Marx Brothersy humor, like Looney Tunesy kind of silly joke humor that I feel comedy in a way got a little too cool for. Like everyone is sort of a bit above that kind of comedy these days because it feels retro, but the truth is it's still kind of the funniest you know when you go back and watch like amen which is one of my favorite shows ever i have a feeling maybe you did watch it i don't want to stereotype you with sherman helmsley amen it was a show about a deacon sherman helmsley like worked in a church and some of the episodes of amen genuinely tears shoot out of my eye sockets are so funny the situations the scenarios and yeah, I don't know. I want to kind of get back there a little bit, but I'm not sure anyone's brave enough. And also, it's kind of hard these days to make 
comedies in the state of our culture and everything that we're dealing with these days, you know, I don't know. Got a lot to deal with, man. Uh, for for multicam, for for me, I'm not as enticed by multicam. Like I wouldn't, I, I'm not as, so like I produce and create some shows and I just sold a cartoon, but the idea of the cartoon that we want is going to be like, I mean, who knows if it'll get put on the air, but in the process where it is now is the idea of 30 minutes and it goes away 30 minutes and you know, like 30 minutes and then whatever, whatever can yes. happen in the next one, we start from the beginning, like the Simpsons. I love so that. So it's like, yeah, I love that as well. But, but if I, like when I watch shows with sound, with uh, laugh tracks in it, I, it makes me feel off for some reason. I'm well, like, not oh, a laugh track, but I love I a live know. studio audience. Give me a live studio audience any day Why of the week. Why don't you do it? Why don't you get your ABC contact and pitch a Oh my God, a all my friends at audience. ABC. It's such a great idea. Let me just contact my <laughs> thousands of friends at ABC. <laughs> I don't know. You're on Not, The View. Aren't it's going to be called No everybody? Bridge Burned. That's the name of my show. No Bridge Burned. And I'm going to go back to ABC and say, listen, I've got an idea. Call a meeting with half the people I worked with have been fired. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how the end. I don't know how your uh, your view, uh, how it ended, by the way. If it's like, I'm sure you've talked about it many Many times, or you don't you know, want to talk I about it. I haven't really. No, I'll talk about it. I mean, I always, my joke is that I really am going to save the good story for the book. This book that apparently I'm going to write book. one don't day. Don't do it here. Don't waste it here. This is a yeah. wasted opportunity. Save it for your book that you're going to I mean, write. I've talked about it. It's fine. I mean, I'm, I genuinely am over it, which is, I'm, I'm not even saying that. Like, I'm over it. Like, when you're not over something, I really just, you know, I look back at it now very gratefully. But, you know, I mean, it just, uh, they're not a show known um, for being like great to the hosts. <laughs> they're not the oh, reputation isn't well the reputation isn't like they don't leave people better than when they found them in my opinion you know it's like in a bad wow. relationship oh, okay you get it uh, this is this is very interesting i don't want to dive into it because you're going to save it for the book for the inverse of this can you Ask give me, me can you give me an opportunity can you give me a moment even if it's at the beginning mm-hmm. that you're like holy shit this is happening like uh, you're on the view this is obviously viewed by Millions of people, and even back then, it was viewed by more because the streamers weren't as big when you were on it. Correct? Like it wasn't as big it was as the past millions, five years. Millions um, watched it. We didn't have so the Megan McCain, uh, the Megan McCain uh, situation, which I think it's like that Howard Stern conundrum where people kind of tune in because she ain't. You know what I mean? Whatever that mentality is mm-hmm. with her, I don't really get. But it's like a big. What, what's something that like hit your dopamine that you're like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm next to. I mean, of course, Whoopi oh, Goldberg in a good would way. make me go. Yeah, good way. All good oh, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Cuz um, the book is going to be filled with trash you said. The book is going to be garbage. Oscar <laughs> the book the is literally going to be page printed one to page 20. <laughs> no, the book is going to be printed on garbage. I'm going to recycle. I'm going to take like old um what do you old parade magazines from USA Today and I'm just going to like cover <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. all the Ask Marilyn columns will still be in there. And the last 30 pages are just Kathy's that you wrote. I hate this over and over again, all right? <laughs> old Kathy's that you're like I can't it's believe called, this is happening. The name of the book is called The Bitches Act. And it's going to be me and like Elton glasses. Great, I'm really quick, Ben. But I want to hear a happy one. Give me a happy one. I'm a pretty optimistic person. I have a great story. So the the, I guess for me the biggest like um, I can't fucking believe this moment is I wasn't even living in New York. I hadn't even been hired on the show yet. I was uh, living in LA. They had called me into guest host and I came in to do the show. And you know, it's like, oh my God, Whoopi Goldberg. Like, are you kidding? And I'm sure you've worked with Whoopi, even though we talked about that on Serious, but I you didn't I've meet never, her. I've never met her before. But you filmed something where you played her assistant. What was that? Yes. Uh, it was called Stage. It was David Tennant, Michael Sheen, and I played her assistant, but it's all through Zoom. So I never, and she's great in it. I saw our little piece and she's, she, dude, we rewatched Sister Act over oh. this break, and it is so good. Mark Shaman, who did the music, is a genius. Oh. But Whoopi is just like she's Obsessed. a she's a movie star. You watch it, and you're like, oh, you're just a movie star. 
Do you know that when I was a teenager, I saw the movie Made in America with her and Ted Danson? Maybe I was like 12. That was one of my favorite. People don't talk about Made in America. I think Nia Long was in it. I had the soundtrack on cassette. I loved Made in America so much. And that was a Whoopi movie. You watch Ghost. Let me tell you something. I need a director's cut of Ghost. I need the just Whoopi version. Get rid of Patrick. You know, keep him in those scenes. But give me like a 14-minute supercut of just Whoopi. That is all I want out of Ghost. I don't need the Sam, Sam, Sam scene. I hate the demon out of the roads. None of that. You know, but she she makes everything better. If you look at Whoopi's performance in that, it's also one of the first times to watch a comedian who's a comedian play drama and comedy. And oh. that for me, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's like back then that never happened because then yeah. Robin Williams started doing it, too. And then and then as me as like a little boy who loves comedy is like, oh, maybe I could do this, too. If I do comedy, it doesn't mean I can't do that. But Whoopi's performance in that there's a bunch of scenes where she's really emotional and beautifully truthful. And uh, you're just like, oh, she's just a she's just a star. And that's when she was like. She was like just in her groove too. She was going from good movie to good movie and she was just nailing everything. Pretty sensational. The 80s were very good to Whoopi and it's funny because I always think, I really believe the 80s and really the 90s were like the peak of just culture, like a pop culture and the peak of, I don't want to say the peak of comedy because you could go back also to like the 60s, you know, everything had something funny, but there was such freedom back then. I feel like, you know, even they would cast people who didn't look like they were extras on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Like they would, even physically, Hollywood was willing to put weirder looking people in things. Like a John Candy even. Or, you know, you just think of like, who were the stars back then? And it was not The Rock. And I love The Rock. And I hope to one day work with him or The Young Rock. Any of them. But I'm just saying like, you get what I mean. That there was more, there was a bigger space for people to break through than I think there is now, in my opinion. I think, so this is what I think. I think there's different versions of it. In the 90s, I love Cheers. I love Frasier. Yeah. I mean, even before that, I mean, I watched, I watched all those shows I was addicted to in Living Color and all that stuff. It's the best. And, but if you look at the early 2000s, there was a block where it was uh, Community, The Office, Parks and Rec, and 30 Rock, all in the same like that's Thursday true. Night Live. And that's like, oh, that's another incredible generational like, that's incredible. Those shows, to me, are, like, some of the funniest shows that came out in the past couple of decades. And I'm sure there's a version of that now. And if you look at, like, the comedy, look at what Chappelle's done in the past 10, 20 years. It's mm. insane. And, like, so th- I-, I think also for for me and probably for you as well, we look back at that time because that's, like, when people say, who was your favorite SNL cast, it's almost always the one where you were, like, either 12 to 15. 14. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> always, that's the one that every weekend we were watching. And, like, I love Dana Carvey. I love Chris Farley. Oh, the best. And then, like, you know, when you get older, you're like, oh, you know what? Will Ferrell's pretty good, too. Kristen Wiig's pretty good, too. But we'll always remember... Just like a lot of my memories when I'm a kid are the ones that I was like, oh, man, I loved I loved it so much. James Gunn had a great line on Twitter the other day. Twitter is a social media platform. Uh, oh, he had a great, great line that he said, um, I forget the age, but he's like, uh, someone's like, yeah, what were your favorite movies growing up? And he's like, I loved every movie up until I was 12 or whatever it is. And he's like, <laughs> I'm, I was like, you're right. I loved every single movie I watched because you didn't even think that something could be bad or wrong. Hold on you a know minute. What I, mean? I have to just flat out disagree. And I've, I've discussed this here before. And I think I just made a connection in my head. The two movies that I hated so, so, so much growing up, because there were two, and they both have something in common. And I wonder now if this is like whatever the opposite of a fetish is, like something that's so horrifying to me. Follow That Bird. And I was like a Sesame Street freak. Like, I love that. What's Follow That Bird? Oh my God. It's where Big Bird got like lost. And but he's like a big toddler. And Big, you've never seen it? Oh my God. I was like a kid watching it like 
it was like my version of Lion. You know, remember that movie Lion with Dev Patel? Yes, I was I like watching Big Bird just like puttering around in like Albuquerque on like a big long road, like at the end of uh, Castaway. Just like, no one knowing where Big Bird is, and he's going hello, Your hello. Your references you grab from are so <laughs> wonderful and improvish. I love that. No, genuinely, like no one knows where Big Bird is. That fucked me up. And then a movie that guys love. I've never even heard a woman who's seen it. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck to me. Oh, yeah, of, course, of course. These are two like bird puppetry related films that damaged me growing up. Howard the Duck to this day is like Freddy Krueger to me. Like I see a picture of him and my I just shut down. And I remember there were like duck tits in it. Like he like had duck sex with like a female version of him. And I to this day, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it fucked me up, Ben. It did. Have you watched it since? Certainly not. And actually, Dan Acton, who co-hosts uh, the beginning of this podcast, loves Howard the Duck. So any opportunity, he will send me Howard the Duck memes. I'm like, Dan, you know that I don't feel comfortable with this. Like, So you didn't Amazing. have anything that, that scarred you when you were little? You had to have. Uh, things scared me. I was a scaredy cat, definitely. Yeah. Like, but I still like, um, I, we went to see Edward Scissorhands in a movie theater. Ooh. And on the way out, it was me, my dad, my mom, and my sister. And my sister Marnie on the way out. There was a, we were in the Bronx somewhere and one of the chairs was sliced up. There was like someone had taken a knife and sliced the back of a chair and um, we're going to the back and the chair like had a slice on it, had like a piece of tape over the front so people wouldn't sit in it because, you know, the springs would hit you in the back or whatever. And then I was very scared. The movie terrified me, oh. terrified me because I was a kid. Uh, I also saw Cats when I was too young and that, I could not. That was the ter- Like live cats you on- saw it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're dancing yeah. in the aisles. And my, my mom reminds me that I just was crying like it was just too much. <laughs> and so like I also am afraid That's of hilarious. cats now. And I wonder if it's from that. But so we're going yeah. back and my sister and I'm terrified and I'm like shaking. And my dad's like, it's just a character whatever. And then my sister sees that thing in the back and she goes, oh, my God, he was here. Edward Scissorhands was here. Wow. And I go and I go, what? And it ruined me. So but like I rewatched that. But I think like I would never say something like. I was like, oh, I didn't, it wouldn't be like, oh, I didn't like that one. It would be just like, oh, all movies are like, they're movies. They're just movies. Um, yeah. Up until a certain age, then you like really start judging. And what do you, and then you start finding your like voice of what you like or like. But I went, I saw Airheads. Remember that movie, Airheads? Oh, I loved Adam Airheads. Brenton Fraser. Yeah, the best. We were, we were in White Plains and it was, we were the only people in the entire movie theater. And it was my first time ever. And we would run up and down. So my experience seeing Airheads was incredible because <gasps> I ran up and down the aisles. Like just me and my friends. Sitting in every seat because nobody else was there it was heaven. I had that happen with my brother when I was six years old. We saw the Cheech and Chong movie Born in East L.A. At six years old? Yes. My brother, we went to a theater in Miami Beach called Byron Carlisle. I don't think it exists anymore. We were the only two people in the theater. We were very well behaved. My brother was 13, I think. But at the end of the movie, I was like, Len, I may have been like eight. I don't know. I was very very little, though. And I touched the movie screen. Like, I remember I yes, felt the screen. Yes, I did that, too. It was insane. I couldn't And I was I like, this it. is so fucking cool. Like, I remember that moment being like, this is so wrong, and yet it feels so right. And it was a very wonderful uh, memory, for sure. Yeah. There's a, it's always funny like how those special little memories come from nonsense. That's uh, just like we saw a, we saw a movie that nobody liked, so nobody was in the theater, and then we but had Airheads the best is good. time. But that's my point. Like Airheads then was considered bad. Now I'm like, please give me another Airheads. Like it had some funny moments in it. I'm like waiting for I don't know. I, I'm sort of spoiled in a way. Well, they don't do, make as many yeah. comedies. Like, I know. I, I used to. Uh, I, my first couple of jobs were writing like these comedies that would hopefully have a budget of like 15 million dollars you know what i mean and now they don't really exist anymore like wow. those steve martin movies don't exist anymore none of those movies really exist it's like you get one or two 
Kevin Hart movies a year. You get one or two Melissa McCarthy movies a year. And then, and then you get like, you know, an alternative comedy movie. And then that's kind of it. Before it used to be like every month was a different comedy. And that's the stuff I loved. And now um, I don't know why, but they don't, they don't make those movies anymore. I know. I feel like you need to write the next great comedy, Ben Schwartz. I believe in you. You have the connections. I think you can do it. Um, I was going to say, like, also, I wanted to talk about scarring childhood moments because that's also fun. Like, do you remember? I remember near. And by the way, I feel like there are a couple of loose tangents that I will go back to, including Whoopi and the letters. But let me just say this. I remember when I was. We got to end with the letters. We're going to end with the letters. What was I going to tell you? Oh, I remember when I was little that a man pulled a knife on my mom and I. at like the drugstore outside in the parking lot. And it was to this day, probably the most frightened I've ever been in my life. Like one of those moments. That's insane. Yeah. It was where crazy. Were you? Do you remember exactly where you were? We were at like an Eckerd's near, I think this movie theater. That's what made me think of it actually in Miami beach. Yeah. I'm in Miami wow. right now. I don't know if you can tell by based on the home goods. I art can't buy the me. painting. Of course. Yeah. 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 Of course, yeah. Um, it's uh, great. We had here. one of those, we went to see, it was me, my aunt Adele and my sister. And I remember a lesson she taught me from it. And uh, a gentleman who uh, has seen better days was following us and following her. And we get into a yellow cab and he tries to pull. He tries to come after uh, my aunt and us a little bit. Right. I don't know if it was for money or for for what it was for. And my aunt took the inside handle of the door and pushed it and smacked him. And And he got hit and he stumbled back. And then she closed the door. And then the cab driver went off, and I was a kid, and I was terrified. And also, Holy Manhattan, like shit. I grew up in Riverdale, which is the yeah. North Bronx, and then we moved to Westchester, which is the suburbs. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, so Manhattan to me was still like, stay safe out there, because I wasn't like, it wasn't until I, I moved there and lived there and understand whatever. But she even said, hey, listen, when you're when you're in that situation, like your biggest weapon is that door. Wow. And I remember being like, oh my god, you're right. And she was right. This person was stronger than all three of us. And wanted something from us. And she told him to get away. He didn't. He was coming into the car. And she went, poof. And like knocked him back. And what I was like, oh my. But it was, that was so superhero. scary. Superhero. That's like superhero shit. I think, I always think to myself that if I was ever confronted in something like that, I would, I don't know what I would do. And I'm like not a shrinking violet. Like I'm, you know, intimidating to some people. But I really think, I bought Mace because New York's crime has been so bad that I was like, I'm just going to get some mace. And um, I've never used it, but I love that I have it. I feel really, I, I almost want to get like a pink pistol and then like wave it at pack or something. <laughs> it's so like right wing. I would never do it, obviously, but it's so, I hate guns. Has but... anybody, do you think that because you're, because you're taller than most women that people don't yeah. really come at you or like a woman would not come at you because your, oh, your no, stature they would... is taller than them? If anything, I think um, it, it's more of a... Um, challenge you know what i mean i've never had mm. the problem is too sometimes like i say shit to people because i'm i call myself cbs is the good karen like i'm like very pro mask you know oh, i'm not no because <laughs> no, i'm like you know my mother's from israel so like i love to like start shit sometimes um you know what i mean by that not in a real way but like i'll stand up for myself as an example like i i won't be trounced upon and it has led to some moments where i'm like okay i'm lucky that some shit did not go down. You know what I mean? Because I'm actually quite weak. Anyway, I get hired on The View. No, I'm kidding. First day. Let me just finish this story. Going back. First day. You didn't even, I, tell, me your, you didn't even tell me your highlight of The View. Like the one that you're like, this I'm is incredible. You. I made it. Okay, I'm telling great. you. I can't wait. 
So it's it's very, very quick. Basically, it was the first day I had shot a pilot with our friend Jerry O'Connell and like some other people didn't go anywhere. But because of that, the view heard about me. They flew me out. It was my first day guest hosting. You know, listen, between you and me, Ben Schwartz, when I think back to the time, my styling, my hair, my makeup, everything was a mess. Like I look, I can't even look at pictures of myself from back then, which is like torture for me because it's a successful time in my life and just everything was hideous like my outfits you know the stylist just didn't know how to dress a non-size two body god bless her but it was not a good i didn't feel safe if that makes sense you know what i mean physically i didn't feel like oh i'm looking my absolute best um and that was partially on me as well but anyway the first day came in sat next to Whoopi, had her laughing i was like this is heaven i was there i think raven simone was there it was just insane and i was walking down fifth avenue this was like maybe two hours after I left the show and I was on the phone with my mom, I think, and I get this unknown two and two number. I'm like, that's weird. Mom, hold on. Figuring it's like a producer because I was on the next morning as well. I pick up. It's Whoopi Goldberg. She's like, hey. Oh. I was like, hey. I was so nervous. And now I'm fr- I consider myself like friends with Whoopi and her family and I love them all. But, you know, she was just like, listen, I, I heard you saying like you don't know where to go shopping for clothes so you know i have some suggestions and she was like it's so funny too because you know it's whoopee so obviously money is no object so she was like um yeah like check out like opening ceremony i'm like you got it where one poncho was like eight thousand dollars i'm like "Uh uh uh-huh opening ceremony got it got it but she was so sweet and she was giving me like you know just you know tips or whatever i just thought the whole act of even calling me because i'm like you know i'm still so nice so cool like so thoughtful and I, I've, I'm loyal to her to the very end. Like, I just adore her. She's really been someone who I think changed my life. There's so. also a moment in that where, where I can totally relate to. I think that uh, for people like you and I who watch a lot of probably movies and TV shows growing up, we idolize some of these people. So, like, for my version of that is, like, mm. uh, Billy Crystal. The first time you meet your Whippy Goldberg or my Billy Crystal, they're, they're the movies. It's the movies still. You, yes. can't, you can't see that they're a human being yet. You see him and you see City Slickers, you see her, you see Sister Act, and you're like, oh my God. And like your face, you it takes a second to turn them into a person. Same with like when I met Cheadle for the first time or like, you know, Ooh. Jim Carrey or Jeremy Irons. <gasps> Anytime you see these people, I'm they're gonna like, they're, but it's like you, you so just exciting. see them as the, as the, as the, as you're like, you can't not see them as you see them in your head. And then when they start talking, you start calming down and then you get to have a real human interaction and then you can grow and become friends. That's why I feel like, you know, these people who are probably super duper famous, anytime they meet somebody, it's probably that oh, oh, every time. So they must be so happy when you finally get past that part to just be like uh, real. But that whoopee moment has to be that you look at her and you see an actress you've loved your whole life. It's it was like um yeah, it was really very exciting. And it's so funny listening. Wait, I have to ask, and I've not forgotten we're going to talk after party too. But wait, tell me about uh, Jim and Jeremy. Jim Carrey, one of my first real crushes. I would say Jim Carrey and Conan were like my sexual, and Jared Leto were like my sexual awakening as a woman. And which should give you some ideas to my type, like British, I totally tall, get it. Yeah. funny. Um, who was the other one? Oh, Jared. Well, Jared's a whole other thing. But what were they Jared, like? Jared, the subway guy? Oh my God, do you know that I met Jared the Subway guy when I auditioned for American Idol and he was such a prick? No. You uh, auditioned for American Idol? Can yeah. you sing? Uh, ben, yes. 
I mean, what? it passed Give me the first round. No, right please now. don't make Here me joke. We just talked about this story recently. Don't, don't make what's, me what's, sing. What, what, what was your audition song? What was oh your audition God. song? It was show and tell. The song, it was such a bad song. Because they're like, don't pick something that everyone else sings. So I was like, I'm actually going to pick something that not only does no one sing, but doesn't sound good when anyone else sings. <laughs> Wait, what's the chorus of that? Show and tell. No, it's that's like, not you're, what it is. Yeah, you're there. Such show and tell. Yeah, that song. Oh, yeah. well, when I, I want to yeah, okay. say I love you I mean I sound like shit right now But anyway No don't be like that Ask me to sing Les Mis That's your You'll fucking cry If I sing Les Mis Give me one Les Mis song Just give me one Les Mis song Drink with me Two days gone by Now I'm nervous You're making me so nervous It's like that Kristen Wiig character Don't make me sing Don't make me sing I can't sing. I, don't make me sing. I pulled my own headphones out out Can of nerves. Can you do nerves. one phantom song for me and then it'll be oh, over? Yes. One oh, my God. Song. Yes, any of them. Uh, <laughs> no more talk of darkness. Forget these wide-eyed fears. I'm here. Nothing can harm you. My world will warm and calm you. Let me... Oh, man. That's not even good. I feel like Keep I'm embarrassing going. myself. What are we doing? No, Ben. Then let's do this I privately. if out of nowhere I sang exactly like oh Josh Groban and we did a perfect <laughs> duet right then. And it would have been unbelievable. Oh. Do you sing? Um, I could fake it. And in oh. the job I did, I just had to sing a little, uh, quite a bit actually. So I just, we'll oh. see. Look how I sat up so we'll, straight in my chair. I'm like, if we're about to fucking duet on Phantom right now, I didn't know that <laughs> we would have this. I didn't know we would have I this. I don't know the words. Oh my God. This is amazing. What's your favorite? Oh, you know what my favorite Phantom song is, but it's very high. Christine is obviously, I can only sing Javert. You know, I'm not like, but, um, ugh. Wishing you were somehow here again. Wishing you were somehow near. Ugh, I love that song so much. I'm not doing well. I'm I feel embarrassed. Like you and Sammy Heller must have talked musicals. For oh my god! Years. All I want to do is sing. I I don't know why I'm in comedy. Like genuinely, I just want to be like on Broadway and fucking sing some shit. But anyway, after party. American Idol. Does everybody know that you auditioned for that? Were you on the actual Literally show? Literally everybody knows. I was not, but I auditioned with Lang Fisher, who you might know, who works with Mindy Kaling, and she. Do you know Lang? Okay. So Lang and no, I went I to... Maybe I do. Maybe I do. Lang's hilarious. We went to Columbia together and she and I waited for three days, sun poisoned in line, like singing Joe to see with like strangers. We were out of our heads. Oh. She got a call back as well to the um, like second, you know, round. Wait, the two so of us did. Back. Yeah, the two of us did. But now I realize that they were clearly intending to have me as an outtake, like without even a doubt. Like, because they were like, whatever you do, they go, be big. And then my joke was, it's impossible not to be. Like, that was my whole thing. And then they put me in. Um, but Lang had a joke where they said, um, she goes, you'll have to excuse me. And then held up a little stuffed animal. She went, I'm a little horse. And that made it onto the show. Um, Ryan Seacrest called it the worst pun in American Idol history. And she was a teacher at the time. And all her kids were like shitting in their pants. It was very exciting. Oh, really was. Wait, okay, after party. I'm like so embarrassed that I sang, and now I'm more embarrassed that I'm like, I have a great voice, but I really don't felt cut it shy. Out. Don't cut it out. I felt don't, shy don't singing for out. you. Can I admit that? Can I have a vulnerable oh, moment? But, okay, so only one weird. time ever um, mm. I auditioned for, so I, I'm not a great singer, but I can fake it pretty good. Okay. And so like one time, uh, there's a Broadway show that asked me to audition for it, and I was like, uh, I've only been offered like one or two musical things. Okay. And, um... But so there's this Broadway show that was going to open up and I couldn't do it anyway because you have to give two years of your life and what you was can't it? do anything else. Can you say what show? Who Dear knows? Evan Hansen? No. Were you no. going to be Evan Hansen? <laughs> no. <laughs> One of my no, least of favorite not. shows. That's like, it has to be a show where the singing isn't the most important part. I, I see, could never I be in a show where 
It's not like Ben in that show is incredible at acting, and also every single song he's not perfect. Right. But it's like, um, so I, I remember this audition because I, I was in New York for press for something. It might have been the walk. I don't remember what it was for. Oh yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this audition, uh, and if I get to the next round or if I get it, like we'll have a conversation. But I know I couldn't have done it. But I was like, I want to see what it's like. So um, they give me the songs from the from the thing that haven't come out yet. It was an original an original thing. And um, they gave me the words. And I think the reason why they were coming to me was the words are fun. You get to be a funny, you oh, get to be kind fun. of funny and you get to play. And then the songs like weren't like, it wasn't like a Ben Platt song. It wasn't like a song where I had to go bananas. Mm. Uh, but a good, a good singer could crush it. And I could do it like not great. So um, I was like, okay, this is it. And I get, you know, auditions, I still get a little bit nervous, right? But um, a singing audition. Oh. It was the most, I was so, because I don't sing and I don't sing in front of people. So I even said, can you shut off the camera for this part? And I'll just do Aww. it for you guys. And they're like, sure. <clears throat> and I even, they even told me like, take a, take a, because you don't sing, get like a person, like a, a singing lesson beforehand, just so can you, so you can like see what key you're supposed to sing the song. Because yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even know what to say. So I did the singing lesson with that person. So I had myself on CD singing this song a couple of times. I go in there and I was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous and so they said okay you ready and you stand next to this piano which i've never oh done in my God. life and someone's playing this piano and it's like a professional pianist you could tell immediately because i was like can you bring it down a little bit and they do uh, immediately and so i start singing and you could hear it in, you could hear the shakiness in my voice because i'm so scared because ev- all these like professional musicians are watching me and i know it's something i'm not good at and so like i try and they're like looking at me and they're being polite and I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on. Oh, and the reason why I was even more nervous is I heard the person before oh, me no, go in. Oh, no, no, that's not right. And, and they, were, right. Uh, they were a Broadway person, of course. And, they, they cr- and it was for a supporting character, and they were so incredible. <laughs> and I went to them, and they were coming out, and I go, I got to tell you, man, that was unbelievable. I was listening to you. You're unbelievable. And they're like, thank you so much. And so I remember I left. Oh, no. And I talked. Um, and, and like, it was, of course, I'm sure not great. I was too nervous. And then um, afterwards, I was like, yeah, that guy before me was unbelievable. And they were like, yeah, that guy was okay. And I was like, oh, what are we even doing here? (laughs) What are we even doing here? Wow, wow, wow. But they were very nice. And that was my my only. So there are some, like for animated animated things I've sang before, uh, which has been very fun. And then for something I just did, I sang a little bit, which has been, was really fun. And like, I got to record in a studio and all that stuff and. And uh, but I can't like if I had to be live on stage every day and sing, I couldn't do it. If I can be in a recording studio and sing, I could pull it off, but not. You do know it what's amazing. funny I, for me right now? Just like looking at you and having to sing for you into this microphone that I'm holding, it like genuinely put. I had felt so much dread because I was like, I know. For example, because I have a very loud singing voice, so and actually, what the idol Simon Fuller said to me was, "You've got a good voice, but it's not a pop voice. It's like a Broadway voice. And I was like, I know, because I'm so loud. But when I do my live shows, like at Joe's Pub, I sing a few songs and I am belting. And I couldn't do that to you. Like, I can't sit here in this Airbnb and like belt out Javert right now because A, it's embarrassing. And B, I just couldn't get there. You know what I mean? So, and I felt really nervous. Is it your favorite part of the show? Anytime you do that show, is your favorite part singing? I really do love to sing so much. Yes. And I have a pianist. I'm like accompanied by someone. But uh, I admit that in an audition, it's... I mean, I, my joke is like, put the scent of a woman uniform on me and I'm just polishing my gun and let's just call it. Like, I can't, I can't do it. It's 
horrible. And when you're nervous, you just can't sing. Like when your vocal cords are tight to like oh, spit a word. It's terrifying. It's, it's the worst feeling there is. Wait, I have one question and I'm not forgetting. We have so many loose ends, but this is my gift. I will not forget. Have you ever gotten an audition thing? Cause I feel like, you know, I'm, I've never really acted, but I do get sent out on like auditions by one of my very lovely agents. And I'm always like, huh? Like, is this how people see me? Like all the descriptions, it's always like, Tough talking, 45 year old, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm always like, is that me? Like, it's always some tough talking or, you know, disheveled mom of six. Like I'm going, is this the energy that I give off? Like it's a very tough talking or mom, which I think is just by way of like my physicality or whatever it is, or just like, you know, whatever. I'm not going to put myself down, but do you ever get one of those where you're just like, okay, like, so oh, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And there, it's a, of course. And by the way, first of all, uh, the descriptions of women in scripts are terrible. They're yeah. the same four things because uh, if it's a man who's writing it, they haven't learned how to describe what women look like or what they want. Mm. Um, but for me, of course, mine, I mean, I look like a fucking Jewish Muppet. So, of course, <laughs> mine at the beginning were like, the, mm. so like lanky, lanky weirdo comes in or blah, blah, blah. Oh, like my God. Always. I would kill to be called a lanky weirdo. Go on. <laughs> mine's the one uh, my uh anytime uh, recently it's been better but of course like oh no what am i saying recently is better it's always kind of the same but at the beginning especially when you haven't established yourself there there are people now that go in for auditions that they'll tell me like oh it said like uh, a ben schwartz type and i was like that's fucking insane that's awesome right wow but at the beginning of course it's like lanky weirdo uh, or or something whatever or if someone's on twitter and someone says something nice it's never like, oh, this guy's attractive. It's always like, I know this is stupid or I can't believe how weird I am, but I find this idiot attractive. <laughs> like that's always what it is. So that's there's, a compliment never, there's never still. a moment of me feeling very like super confident uh, um, with that type of aspect. That's really hilarious, actually. Can you guys like tweet nice fucking things to Ben Schwartz? I mean, no, not I that his I'm ego, fine. not I'm that happy. his ego I'm needs happy. it, but like, you know what I'm saying? It would be nice. Wait, Ben, let's talk. Wait, tell um, your after- letters. It's 10.05. You're no, gonna, no, no. We're going to run out of time. I need to here. go in a minute. I, before the letters, the letters are very short. Uh, tell us about the after party. I want to hear about it. Oh, I cannot wait for this. Okay, so it's a show that Lord and Miller did, who are two uh, directors and producers that I've loved forever. They did Lego Movie and of course. Uh, um, 21 Jump Street, and they did uh, they produced Spider-Verse and Phil wrote it. And so this is a show that they produced and then Phil uh, 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 and then Chris Miller directed every single episode. It was based off something that he wrote 10 years ago and they turned wow. it into a limited series. It's going to be an Apple and it's a whodunit and it's like every funny comedy person. It's Tiffany Haddish and John Early, Ike Barinholtz, me, Ugh. Alana Glazer, Jamie Demetriou, Sam Richardson, Zoe Chow. Uh, Dave Franco. It's just like the cast I'm like, is I'm dying. bananas. It's everyone I love. It's basically. incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so so the whole thing is someone dies at our high school reunion after party and then Tiffany Haddish comes in as a cop and she interviews each one of us and in us retelling what happened on that night it the retelling of it becomes a different genre of film so if you're like the romantic of the group it's shot like a 90s romantic comedy oh my god if you're like the asshole of the group it's shot like Fast and the Furious so it's it was so fun and I, it was one of my favorite experiences ever I think it's because the cast, but also just Lord and Miller, Chris, Chris Miller is like so kind. You and I were talking about like different experiences. Uh, if you get to be in a group with like kind humans, it changes everything. He's like, it's, it's all true. collaborative. Everybody's creating together. We're so happy that it was during COVID when there was no work. We're getting mm. tested twice a day, every day. We're in a safe environment and we feel so lucky. And the, I think the work will, 
show. So out of the things I've done, I'm so excited for people to see that. I have no idea when it's coming out, but it'll be on Apple whenever. That's amazing. I'm so happy for you. And also just, it's, you know, should really tell, I'm sure you know this already, but just what an honor to be with those other people and know that like you're on their level. You know what I mean? Like that's it's a very an amazing feeling, thing. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree, by the way, when you get on those, when you get on like a movie or something like that and you see those people like, I get to act with blank like it's a it's an it's incredible incredible. i'm so thrilled for you i feel and that's going to be out um i have uh, no idea you don't even know apple t apple we just finished it we finished it a week and a half ago we literally just wrapped it on apple it's on apple plus apple tv I'm going to end with the letters, but before I do that, let me just say that if you don't already follow Ben Schwartz at Rejected Jokes, um, you will not regret it. Also, Flora and Ulysses, which is on Disney Plus. Um, That's out for, now. Out now. You can watch that. Watch it with your kids. Um, that's a fun one. Um, Modoc. I don't know. Hulu. So, man, he's got too much shit going on. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 coming out next year. Unbelievable. Just working so much. Ben Schwartz. And what ben, a, what what yeah. is a better transition to talk about these filthy letters that you said are on it's, the internet? <laughs> By the way, it's so short, and it you really talk is about kids' movies, and now you're about to say <laughs> the, the, the worst thing. I'm adapting this into a thing. Here comes Michelle Collins uh, reading World War II letters that somebody found. It's funny because every week I tend to like do something that's like really filthy, like, and I know that you can just do a super cut of just like all the dirty things that I've read for those. You know, no one even tweets about me as their crush. Like, at least you're like, I know this is weird. No one even says that. I'm like, you guys, I want to be crushed on. Anyway. Okay. Ready? So that was sad what I just said. Tracy, edit that out. So listen. um, (laughs) No, don't keep it in, Tracy. I'm going to keep talking (laughs) until you keep it in. Listen. um, So this uh, Twitter user, her name is Dania. It's fine and Dania. She said, went antiquing today and found what I thought were some cute letters, but turns out, and it's like this cute stack of like, you know, it's in red and white string. So here I'll read it. It's fairly short, longer than I think I thought, but here we go. So then she didn't have pages one or two, just so you know, this, she only had page three. It says, and I'm sorry in advance, Ben, this, I'm like about to Cuomo you and I'm really sorry. I'm about to Governor Cuomo you because this is I don't even know what that means. Should I, so I'm going to pretend like I got off, I'm like off the Zoom now it's I thought I thought you just said I'm gonna pretend like I got off and I'm like do whatever makes you happy pal like I just want you I've exited the zoom say goodbye to me now and then say these letters so I have nothing to do with them I need you to respond to this but between this and the singing like you're killing me okay it says and Tom keep shoving deeper at every move we were soon tired and my spending made me about half conscious and it scared them we were too tired to continue except it says continue so we called it a day Harry slept with me that night but I denied him the pleasure i do like that i do love denying people pleasure that is like my kink i would say um it was a thrill to lay there and play with each other Ugh, i can't wait to get vaccinated can i just say that since then i have been fucked standing up sitting down sideways in the armpits ben schwartz between the tits etc well this letter is now too long so i must close the night before i leave for our home tom is coming over to see us for a final match we are going to try double fucking again We'll see you soon. Your well-fucked girlfriend, Anne. I'm inspired. I don't think this is real. Can I be honest? I don't think this is real. It is straight up. Like, you're the typewriter typewriter guy, right? Look at that. Oh, I could type that for you right now. I mean, like, anybody could type anything, and it looks like an old typewriter. This is from the 40s. Don't catch me if you can with my porn letter, okay? Don't pull a catch me if you can with my porn letter. Don't Melissa McCarthy me. (laughs) 
in uh, what was that movie? The, Can't, the, uh, uh, can you ever forgive me? By the way, forgive me. Can you forgive me? Two movies that I really love. If you're looking for two films to watch, that and Catch Me If You Can. Ben Schwartz, I adore you. Thank you for sticking around so long and uh, come back anytime. It was really fun. I hope everything is going well. I hope you continue to bring joy to people. Oh, you're you did great. Thanks, you Benny. Did great. Thanks. We should do a three-way Zoom like this letter with Sammy Heller. Sometimes oh God, I miss Sammy. So, by the way, if people don't know who Sammy is. Sammy is a producer at MTV, but also I think one of the funniest human beings on planet Earth. Um, secretly funny, and I think she will turn into an enormous producer um, when she's ready. Because she's—I find her yeah. to be so talented and so smart. I would want her on my team of people making decisions because I think she's very good. I think we should work with her and have her produce something for us. Am I, am I speaking too out of line? I would. She's incredible. It's Have her produce your multicam show that you want to do. All about a- how. Amen to. Amen to. Uh, Benny amen Schwartz, to. he has to go. We love you. Thanks for doing the show. Bye, Bye. Ben. Lovely Bye, guys. See you. Midnight Snack is an Earwolf production, executive produced by me, Michelle Collins. Our producer is Anita Flores, and our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. Special thanks to my friend Dan Acton. You can listen to our ad-free episodes on Stitcher Premium. For a free one-month trial, use the code SNACK. Please rate and review Midnight Snack and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can follow us on Twitter at MNightSnackPod. That's M-N-I-G-H-T-S-N-A-C-K-P-O-D. I love spelling. Midnight Snackers, we would love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, questions, or topics we should chat about. You can leave us a voicemail on our party line at 331-901-0005 or drop us a line at midnightsnack at earwolf.com. For more of me, tune in to The Michelle Collins Show live weekday mornings from 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Radio Andy, Sirius XM 102, and on the Sirius XM app. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mishkoll, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And that's the episode. We hope you loved it. Again, if you want to hear this show every single day, go to www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. You can also follow me on Instagram, X, TikTok, all the things, mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I'm running myself into the ground for content and I want you to be a part of it. So we'll see you over there. And thanks again for joining us. Bye, guys.